Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. As I said, I'm joined in studio now by John Lynch Solicitor. John, great to have you in the studio. Uh, this morning, good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm not you're, too bad at all. You're taking over, are you? Uh, that's the plan. Now we'll see if, if I have to get him back or a not. A coup, but. a coup. A coup, absolutely. A coup, a coup. John, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, we were talking last week about bankruptcy and we were talking about arrangements and financial settlements, basically trying to deal with the issue, the kind of hangover, long-standing hangover from the good old days. And a couple of people asked me a couple of questions and I got a couple of emails after it. So I'm just going to kind of try and see if I can address those. One of the interesting ones was the family home and the status of the family home. It can be called the family home or in in other pieces of legislation they call it the principal primary residence. Now the family home kind of has a particular status when it comes to law because initially in 1976 there was a piece of legislation passed called the Family Home Protection Act. And effectively what it did was it protected one of or both of the spouses where there was a family home. So if you had a situation that one of the spouses decided to sell the family home, it was trying to protect a situation where they'd sell it without the knowledge of the other spouse. So what they introduced was a consent mechanism. So in other words, you couldn't sell the family home without the consent of the other party or the other spouse. Now, so therefore the family home has kind of acquired a kind of a special status understandably enough if you can, you know, if you take it that it is a family home Mm -hmm. and there are children involved in that. So it has acquired kind of a special status. So one of the questions that kind of came up very early on when bankruptcy started to become more prevalent in Ireland was what would happen in the event that somebody became bankrupt, went into bankruptcy, and then um, the family home became an asset in bankruptcy. So what I mean by that is that, you see, bankruptcy is a kind of an automatic mechanism. It has a kind of a plus and a minus effect. The plus effect is that any debts are written off. So in other words, that there's a write down of debts to bring you back to a position where you're no longer insolvent. And I mean, one of the kind of cornerstones of bankruptcy is that you have to be insolvent. And what insolvency means is that you're not able to meet your debts as they fall due. So the scenario there is that quite a lot of people fell into that category that they were insolvent after the collapse, after the boom collapsed in Ireland. And you'd have a situation where the family home would be one of the assets that would be involved. So you might have the husband that would become bankrupt living in the family home with his wife and children. And the question that came up, what happens to the family home? And you see... As I said, there's a plus and a minus on on bankruptcy and the minus on bankruptcy is that all assets are transferred to an an agent of bankruptcy which is called the assignee in bankruptcy. So in other words, you, you no longer own any asset. So what happens there is that if you have a family home, you no longer own the family home because that becomes an asset in bankruptcy. So because of the particular status of the family home, one of the very first cases that I actually dealt with myself in the High Court 
I argued it myself in the High Court because it was very new law at the time and went to the Court of Appeal and eventually resolved in the Court of Appeal. But the question that came up was that the wife, the wife, but the bankrupt wife was residing in the family home with their children. They had four very small children. Well, very young children, I say. And um, when you go into bankruptcy, you say, okay, all the assets are transferred, the family home is transferred, but under the bankruptcy legislation, they have this way of treating the family home that if after the third anniversary of you going into bankruptcy the family home isn't sold, it will automatically come back to the bankrupt. So in other words, you're you're in the family home, you're living there with your wife, um, I'm assuming that the husband goes bankrupt. If the husband goes bankrupt under those circumstances, the family home will automatically move as a starting point to the assignee in bankruptcy. But then after three years, if it's not sold, it will come back to the to the husband. So that was something that they put into the bankruptcy legislation that, if you like, gave the family home a particular different status to everything else. Because if you had a situation where there were other assets, all of the other assets would stay in in the bankruptcy. So let's say if you had a family home or, or sorry, if you had a holiday home or if you had a caravan or if you had a mobile home or whatever, all of those assets would stay with the assignee in bankruptcy. But after three years, you'd have this automatic revesting of the, of the property of the family home back into the bankrupt. Now, in this particular situation, what happened was that, you see, after a year, just to, com- to convolute it just a little bit, after a year, the, the person who becomes bankrupt comes out of bankruptcy. So in other words, they're no longer bankrupt after a year. Mm-hmm. So their assets, the assets that they had, all go to the assignee in bankruptcy. And then after two years, so three years from when you went into bankruptcy or, or two years after you came out of bankruptcy, the family home would come back to you. Now, the point and the key element to this is that if the family home was in negative equity. So, you know, that term that's used quite commonly. If you have uh, the family home mortgaged to a bank and let's say the family home is worth, say, 100000 just for the sake of argument, and let's say you owe 200000 to the bank, you're in negative equity. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you don't have any real, there's no real value in the family home at that point in time. If the house is in negative equity and continues to be in negative equity right up to the third anniversary, in those circumstances, the house is of no value to the assignee in bankruptcy. So he can't get any benefit out of selling it, so he doesn't sell it. So in that scenario, it automatically comes back to the bankrupt, by and large. Now, in the case that we were talking about, the assignee in bankruptcy's office spotted after about... Um, within, I'd say, about three weeks of the third anniversary, so on, in other words, they they spotted very close to the end of the time when the case, when the property would come back. They spotted that there was a value, some value in the family home. So, in other words, that they could actually get if they were to sell it they would get some money which would then go to the creditors because you've got to remember that bankruptcy is kind of a balancing act between a whole load of different rights and particularly when you look at the family home the family home is a balancing act uh, and there's a very recent case that was actually the one that prompted me 
to relook at this. There was a case only very recently handed down by the High Court dealing with the sale of the family home, which I'll outline to you in a second. But in the case that I was dealing with, there was there was value there. So mm. therefore, the asylee went to to look for an order for sale of the family home. And in looking for an order for sale of the family home, obviously you were dealing with the situation that you said to yourself, well, wait a second, what about the wife and what about the four kids, young kids living in this family home? Do they have any rights? And if they do, what kind of rights do they have? Because you're balancing the rights of the creditors, i.e. the people who are owed money by the bankrupt, because after all, what you're looking at here is not selling the wife's interest, but selling the husband's interest. So what you're looking at is you're looking at a situation that you end up getting an order to sell the family home, even though the wife who might have an interest in the family home is still in the family home. So you're, and it's a particular, like what was interesting or what made it interesting from my point of view was there had been a case called Muincher Credit Union. I think it was in Kerry or Cork. Um, and that case involved a situation where somebody got judgment against uh, an individual who owned a family home with his wife. And the individual who got the judgment against the husband registered it against the family home. So in other words, created a charge on the family home. So if you look at a situation where if you get money from a bank, the bank will put a charge on the family home. But you can also get a charge put on the family home if you owe somebody some money and they get judgment and they can then register that judgment against your family home. And that becomes a charge on the family home. So in this particular scenario, the individual concerned, and it was an individual concerned, went to go and get an order to sell the family home to get their money. So in doing that, they went into the High Court and the High Court uh, decided in the circumstances that they wouldn't grant the order for sale of the family home. And the reason that they said they wouldn't grant the order for sale of the family home was they said that under the law to deal with mortgages and charges, that they had to balance the rights of the wife in the family home who in this particular interest in instance was an innocent party. She had nothing to do with the, the borrowings by the husband. I think he had been involved in some sort of business enterprise. She had nothing to do with those borrowings and the court decided because she was an innocent party they refused to grant the order. So the question that was kind of exercising my mind, legal brain for what it's worth, was whether or not that same principle would apply in bankruptcy. So in other words, if the bankruptcy court was looking at a situation where they made somebody bankrupt, would they say, well, wait a second, we've got an innocent wife here, we've got four children here, and under those circumstances, I'm not going to make an order for sale. The court, in the case that I was involved in, in the more recent case, said no different jurisdiction. We're talking about bankruptcy here. And when you're dealing with bankruptcy, you've got to balance the rights of the creditors who are owed money with the rights of the wife. Now, the more recent case that, that we're looking at, which wasn't hugely similar, was where the... Well, sorry, it was it was not similar insofar as the one that I was involved in. The husband and wife were still living together. There was no issues between them. In the one that, that came before the court, I think it was only uh, November, actually November, the 12th of November, which was only right. the other day. Right. 
this one involved a situation where the parties were estranged so they were separated. So, same example, there was a husband Same and wife. example, husband they and wife. They both had a stake in the property. Exactly. But and they were estranged. Yeah, but there was a couple of really interesting kind of arguments that were raised. The first one was that the husband was actually the subject of a barring order. So he wasn't living in the family home. He was barred from the family home. The second thing is that the, the wife issued divorce stroke separation proceedings against the husband and the third thing was that she was arguing she was arguing that she had a larger stake in the family home than the kind of presumed 50-50 stake that was being assumed by the assignee in bankruptcy because more often than not when you go into a bankruptcy situation the the powers that be will assume a 50-50 kind of split even in a situation where both parties aren't on the title they'll assume you know and in this particular instance the wife was making the argument that she actually might have had more than 50% because she was paying the mortgage, paying all the outgoings. He was no longer living in the family home and she was going to be making an argument in family law proceedings that she was entitled to more than 50%, which would dilute, if you like, the interest of the husband and there in turn dilute the interest of the assignee in bankruptcy. So her argument was that, you know, he mightn't get anything anyway, so why would you make an order? Now, the court in the in the particular case, so therefore the court, he went in, the husband came in and said, which, you know, again, was not really entertained by the court. He came in and said, well, wait a second here, I'm going to appeal the barring order. I'm going to go into the high court and appeal the barring order. And I'm looking to reconcile it with my wife. But of course, although the judge didn't say it, I mean, the fact of the matter is that there isn't such... Uh, uh, you can't apply that logic to divorce because if you're in a situation in Ireland where you apply for a divorce, there's no such thing as consenting parties to a divorce per se, if you know what I mean. Mm. In other words, if one of the parties isn't consenting to divorce, it isn't a reason not to grant the divorce. In Ireland, if one of the parties says this marriage is over, well, then the law will say it will recognise that as a fact and not allow somebody else to say, well, but I don't think it's over kind of thing. So that wasn't entertained by the bankruptcy court. But the kind of what happened, which again kind of neutralised it or neutered it a little bit, was that the uh, signee in bankruptcy's barrister, when he came into court, said, well, we'll give two years. We'll give the wife two years and within which we'll put a stay on the order. So the court, what I mean by that is that the court said, grand, like the assignee came in and said, I want an order for sale, I want an order for possession. And at the same time came in and said, well, actually, we'll delay it for two years. So the judge immediately turned around and said, fine, okay, I'll take that. We'll delay it for two years. So the judge delayed it for two years. So there was an order granted for possession for sale. So in other words, the assignee in bankruptcy after two years could arrive at the door and say, you're out Mm. and could also go about selling it because the third order that the assignee in bankruptcy got was an order for carriage, what we call carriage of sale. So in other words, the assignee in bankruptcy controlled the sale of the family home and then delayed it for two years. But what I thought was quite interesting in it, and again, it was concessions made by 
the Assanian bankruptcy was that under the bankruptcy legislation, the uh, under whatever section it is, 130 or something, 134, under under the bankruptcy legislation, there is a power in the court to review to change or vary any order that's made. So what the judge was basically saying was, if you look at the facts of the case, the husband made multiple uh, uh, offers to mm-hmm. the Assanian bankruptcy. Because if you come back to the basics on this for a second, when you're dealing with a property going in to bankruptcy, the Assanian bankruptcy is open to offers being made to buy back the interest. So in this particular situation, you're looking at a scenario where in most cases, the assignee will first of all write to the parties concerned and will deal with the parties. So in other words, we'll write to the wife and say, here, we can sell this, but we're open to offers. So in quite commonly in bankruptcy, you'll have a situation where if the spouse is in a position to raise funds, she can deal with the assignee in bankruptcy. And rather than him going through the whole process of selling the house or the family home, and I think it's a very strong message that people should understand, i.e. that the assignee in bankruptcy is there, his function, and it is a he, but his function is primarily to get access to funds to pay back people who are owed money by the person who went into bankruptcy. So that's the primary function of the Italian bankruptcy. So he collects all the assets, he sells whatever he can, and then he gives that money to the creditors. That's his job. That is what he's there for. But he's not totally and utterly uh, unrealistic when it comes to the fact that when you're dealing with a family home and you have to sell it, if you like, over the head of the wife and children, under those circumstances, he will be open to offers by the uh, spouse if they can raise them. And as you can see from the case law as well, because this case was preceded by another case where the judge gave a year within which allowing the parties to try and go and sort everything out, if you know Mm. what I mean. So in most of the cases, when the question is asked, and this is what prompted the question, somebody asked me, you know, is is it a kind of an automatic that you lose the family home? Well, the answer is not simple, but the answer is it's not an automatic that you lose the family home. And if you are going into a bankruptcy situation, there's kind of, two criteria that you need to look at in terms of the family home. First of all, can you can you afford to continue to pay the mortgage? Mm. Because after all, if you think about it for a second, if it's a secured asset, and this applies whether you're talking about bankruptcy or whether you're talking about arrangements, because last week we were talking about arrangements, and arrangements are a little bit like what you come across when you're dealing with companies getting into difficulty, that you do arrangements to try and pull them out of the difficulties that they're in, which by and large we had it with air, was it air and aircom, etc, etc. Down the years they've been bailed out so many times. Mm. But the reality of it is that when you're looking at an arrangement and or a bankruptcy, when you're looking at a bankruptcy, the question that people ask is, do I automatically lose the family home? Well, the answer is no, you don't automatically lose it, but you must be in a position to deal with it, i.e. you must be in a position to, to pay the mortgage that keeps the secure creditor happy. And you, you should 
put yourself in a position that you can deal with any any kind of situation of buying out the interest, if you like, of the bankrupt. If you're the the final point on it, then um, to, yeah, the final point on it is that if you're dealing with an arrangement as opposed to a bankruptcy, under the provisions of the law when it comes to arrangements, the family home and or the principal and primary residence is elevated to a status beyond that of bankruptcy because in an arrangement situation the legislation says you must try as best you can if you're a personal insolvency practitioner like myself and trying to put together an arrangement you are overriding consideration is to try and keep people in their family homes and that is different to bankruptcy where you can go in and apply to sell the the interest of the bankrupt in the family home. In the case of arrangements, when you're putting together the deal, if you like, when you're trying to sort it, your kind of primary focus should be to try and keep the person in the family home. And that's acknowledged as a primary focus of the legislation. So therefore, the courts will respect that focus. And if you can at all, you'll try and keep people in the family home. I just have one or two follow-up questions I want to ask you but I know Fran Curry likes to leave a bit of a cliffhanger so if you'll hold on with me for two minutes and we'll be back Join the conversation in Tipperary Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com I'm still with John Lynch of Lynch Solicitors in Clammel. John, you were discussing bankruptcy there earlier on and just one one of the follow-up questions I had was when there is family law proceedings and the assignee in bankruptcy comes in. How does it interact with yeah. 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 Well you see in the particular case that you're talking about the the wife interestingly enough had applied for legal aid and didn't get because she didn't qualify for legal aid and therefore she was coming into court saying there are family law proceedings here and now I'm not sure how, how well it was articulated how well the argument was articulated but I think what she was trying to do was she was trying to make the argument that I've got divorce proceedings or family law proceedings and the court might say that I'm entitled to more than 50% in which case when you do your sums on it there's very little for the assignee to get if you know what I mean in terms of selling the asset if that's not confounding it a little bit. So what the court said or what the judge said was and I presume the reason he gave the two years was that if she goes into court let's say okay let's say you're in a situation that she goes into court in this particular case if she goes into court under family law proceedings when she goes in under the family law proceedings the reality of it is that she is going to look for what we call a declaratory order so she's going to look for an order by the family law court to say how much of an interest she has in the family home so obviously if the court in the family law proceedings says and don't forget now we've got the two year delay here before the assignee in bankruptcy will sell the family home so there's a two year gap there that she ha- she's got an opportunity to go into the family law court if the family law judge says well actually I'm looking at this now and based on the fact that the wife has been paying the mortgage based on the fact that she contributed X, Y and Z etc I think she, she actually has a, a say a 70% interest in the family home that will automatically dilute and put her into a better position to negotiate the purchase of the balance, the 30%, if you know what I mean, as opposed to 50% of the balance. Mm. Now, 
let's not get too carried away with that because obviously then the question arises as to what is the balance because if there was an uplift in the value of the house or the value of the property and if there was a decrease in the mortgage amount then the question that arises is will there be a huge variation or change but when you're in family law proceedings you see the thing to remember is all you have is you own the property jointly with instead of your husband in this case, with the assignee in bankruptcy. So it's the same thing. So you're not divorcing the assignee in bankruptcy, but you are effectively trying to retain the family home within the family law proceedings. So the 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 husband will have nothing to do with that issue because it's the assignee in bankruptcy who will own the house unless it revests. And in this particular instance, it won't revest because the assignee in bankruptcy has an order for sale. So what you're what you'd be looking at or what you'd be hoping to achieve is that when you go into the and I and I'm I'm putting this tongue in cheek a little bit, but if you're going into a family law court and you're telling a judge uh, as the wife that you know, you've got a barring order. There are no assets of any great significance here. The only asset that's there is the family home. And if you take it that the overriding criteria of the family law court is to make proper provision for the parties on a separation situation, you'd be trying to make the argument and persuade the judge that the higher the interest you get in the family home, the more likely it is that you'll be able to retain it. So you'd be trying to hopefully get a sympathetic judge who would give you... Now, your problem there is you've got your conflicting rights with the judge in the in the assignee. He can't, you know, I mean, what would be very interesting there from a practical point of view is whether the assignee in bankruptcy would feel that they should be a notice party in the divorce. I'm getting quite technical here now, mm. but whether the assignee in bankruptcy might take an interest in the family law proceedings as in, and that would raise all sorts of issues because, as you know, family law proceedings are in camera. They, they're not, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be the subject matter of a third party like an assignee in bankruptcy appearing before the court. So if I was acting for... But they the, can be. Well... Arguably, they have an interest, so arguably, they should be able to have a say in how much interest, if any, they have in the family home, if you know what I mean, because they're in the shoes of the husband when it comes to the family home, because they now own his interest in the family home. So you could argue that they're entitled to be heard in the family law court as to the extent of the interest that the wife has, or rather that the assignee has, if that doesn't confuse it. No. No, John, right. John Lynch, if it was easy, it would be no fun. <laughs> uh, John Lynch from Lynch Listers in Clonmel. How can we find you? Hmm? How can we find you? You're in Clonmel. Oh, yeah, www.lynchlisters.ie. That's the very one. Website. John Lynch, solicitor, uh, thanks very much for your time this morning. Back with more in a moment.